Hey guys, welcome back to the Soulfully Awakened podcast. It is your host, Nicole, and welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our beautiful Sacred Soul Sessions, where I get to introduce you, my audience, to beautiful, magical beings that I have either met in real life or I have connected with on different social media platforms. And today, I have a very special guest joining me. Her name is Maya Knight. I started following her a couple years ago on Instagram, and I really fell in love with her work, the way that she presents herself in this very raw, stripped down, vulnerable authenticity. And I wanted to bring her on the podcast to talk to you guys. So Maya is an embodied business coach, and she resides in Nashville, and I'm super excited to have her here. So welcome to the show, Maya. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I cannot (laughs) wait to start chatting with you and just to let your magic unfold to the audience on this podcast today. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into it, to share, to just be, and yeah, it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, first off, I want to publicly congratulate you on your recent engagement. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. And I thought like, I really wanted to like bring that in because I know through following your journey, you've done a lot of healing and Mm. dancing in and out of relationships and figuring out that boundary. Cause I remember on one of your posts, you kind of put one of your fears was fear of commitment. Like you described yourself as the eternal runaway bride and Mm -hmm. here you are now, like you are (laughs) engaged. And so what has been your experience with relationships and, and getting to this point now where you feel comfortable committing and being engaged? Yeah. Well, it feels really important to talk about where this all began. I always like to go back to the beginning. And for mm-hmm. me, my story of relationships has, of course, evolved over time. But the benchmark that feels most important was my, past, my last relationship, where I really met <laughs> the pinnacle of the man that I was trying so desperately to attract into my (laughs) life and having a really difficult experience in that relationship and watching things die and crumble and fall apart and ultimately feeling the most alone that I've ever felt in my entire life. And you know, there are a lot of reasons that I think it happened in that relationship. I do think it was this archetype of a man that I was calling in that was not in service to my highest truth or my calling. And I also think it had something to do with, quote unquote, being an empowered woman in relationships mm-hmm. and always speaking my truth and uh, all of these sort of spiritual words that are like circulated through the goddess community around Mm -hmm. what it means to be a woman in relationship and I really held those so fully in my being that I think it actually pushed me away from what true relationship is all about um I had a girlfriend explain to me her relationship during this time and I just said what what do I need to do to have a man and to like <laughs> welcome this in because like, clearly I'm so empowered can't you see me like I'm doing yeah. all the things I'm doing all the work where is he 
and <laughs> she's a beautiful Russian woman. She's one of my dearest friends. And she said, Maya, you need to understand that. Not, she didn't say you need to understand. She just said, Maya, relationships are about giving and giving and giving and giving and giving mm-hmm. over and over and over again. That's the whole process of relating. And you might feel, and she's in a very beautiful partnership. And to hear her say that, I'm like, but where is the empowered goddess in all of this? And she's like, mm-hmm. let that go so that you can just open your heart fully and be in service to mm. another, another human being. And that, that's my journey. It's not, you know, it's not as sexy as I think <laughs> the spiritual community kind of sells empowered partnership. I feel the most empowered in this relationship. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. So yeah, I love yeah. that. And mm-hmm. so what, what feels different about this relationship where you feel more empowered and you've kind oh. of let go of that archetype, like goddessy like kind of energy like what feels different to you and your body yeah I mean clearly the goddess is still very much here I'm Mm -hmm. currently like wearing a long white robe and a beautiful (laughs) like crown (laughs) I love it it's not that the embodiment of it goes away it's the the hardness Mm -hmm. like the the structure which is actually the masculine that that yeah goddesses sort of work with of holding and being strong and fierce in some sense mm-hmm. has turned into like this still a very strong structure but almost like this antenna or this core this core that is flexible mm-hmm. because I've learned to dance around the desires of another human being and mm. I know how to release what I want for the service of our partnership and so that we can create something greater. It's not about denying what I want, but it's like we are now two beings with two separate desires some of the time. And how do we both give up our views to have something greater? And then in some spaces, of course, I'm very uncompromising. (laughs) That's That's still there, but... Um, I think overall there's this fluidity through my structure. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And one of the questions that I frequently get asked about like my partnership with my husband is like, is he as conscious as you? Is he as awakened as you? And so I want to know your take on that because I know my take and I'm like, literally like, My husband is not, but I don't expect him to be, but he holds the space of openness and respect for what it is that I love. And Mm -hmm. I do the same for him just because he loves fantasy baseball and going to baseball games with his friends. I'm not like, oh my gosh, that's not spiritual. I'm like, cool. You love that. And I love that you love that. So I'm going to respect that space for you to have fun and explore that. But that doesn't mean that I have to fucking love baseball as much as you do. So I just want to know like your, your experience with that. So here's my experience with that. I, okay. Where do I start with this? This is tricky. (laughs) I have a lot of viewpoints about this. Yeah. I'm going to be so fiery that it blows (laughs) out of the water. Ah, but I do want to speak my truth. So I just, I'm going to dance around it for a minute. So generally I would say 
when I see this belief in myself and I Mm -hmm. see this thought pattern in other people of, are they as conscious as you? Mm -hmm. There is a power dynamic going on and whether it's conscious or unconscious is, you know, neither here nor there. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's existent. It's there. And I don't like playing in real power dynamics. I don't believe in a hierarchy in the sense of like people that are more conscious or less conscious truly Mm -hmm. um, because I believe there are so many different ways to experience consciousness consciousness is is truly just awareness and of course there's people who would say but what about the monks in the mountains they're more yeah (laughs) it's like I don't know I don't know they're more conscious in a certain regards they have Mm -hmm. a certain lifestyle they have a certain space in which they experience consciousness but you know put anyways it's a very complex topic yeah more more or less conscious but whatever I look at when I come up against that because it doesn't feel the bottom line is it doesn't feel good in my body yeah to be in that Mm -hmm. so whenever I encounter someone in the real world or in my partnership and and I say I I'm more conscious I'm more I'm right (laughs) yeah (laughs) I feel the clenching I feel the contraction I feel the and also with my clients too whenever I think I have the answer for my client, I now take a step back and look at where am I lacking consciousness? Mm. I mean, I'm constantly working in tantric duality. And so when I'm noticing something in someone else that I don't enjoy, I'm searching for where inside my body that exists and lives. Mm, I love that. You know, if it doesn't, if it wasn't there, then I probably wouldn't be um, resistant to it. So my partner, uh, I used to think that he was less conscious than me, but I actually, <laughs> here we go back again into duality, <laughs> but I actually think he's more conscious than me now mm-hmm. um, because I see how often he operates from a true space of unconditional love. Mm. And that is his, I would say, default mode. Yeah is that and and I try to be there and I of course that's something that I aspire to but I can't say that my core underlying function is Mm -hmm. unconditional love there's so anyways I I mean I love myself and I do I've done a lot of work but he's pretty fucking conscious in some way that I didn't see when I first met him Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, I love that. And because I get asked that a lot, like by like right. clients that I work with, because I think like that is like, I don't know if your clients feel like this too. It's like, as they're working on themselves, there's always this little ego talk that like makes them fearful. Like if I keep moving in this direction, then mm-hmm. I'm going to outgrow this relationship. And I'm always like, whoa, like, why is that an energy frequency that's running through? Like what's going on below that? And Like I always tell people, like my husband is, he knows everything that I do Mm -hmm. and, but I don't hold him to a certain standard in my mind and assign him to it and say, well, I expect you to be this way because I'm that way. It's like, if he wants to, if he wants to try meditation, cool. Like I will help you. I'm just, you know, here to be an example. And if it's interest, you ask me like, and if I'm doing a static dance and I'm talking about cacao ceremonies, I'm not going to force feed it upon my husband. 
And if he, he's been very open, he'll ask questions and I'm all about letting people evolve and come more into themselves at their own rate. So I always tell my clients Mm -hmm. that, and I always find it interesting when that is such a huge underlying current as somebody is, you know, working on themselves or stepping deeper into the layers of themselves that that is, I've had so many conversations with people that are like, but my partner's not like I am. So Mm. I don't know if it's going to work. And so I'm always so hyper curious, like, but like, why, like, why can't you be soulful and human? Like that's, we're here to do that dance. And that's something that I love about you as well is Mm -hmm. like, you're so vocal about descending into Mm -hmm. the body. It's not all about like dancing up in like these high 5d frequencies all the time and being ethereal being like air you're like no like get into the body you can Mm -hmm. you can enjoy this human experience and you recently talked about that it was probably a few weeks ago or a month ago where you were basically talking about getting over ourselves being spiritual and thinking well we can't enjoy pop music right we can't enjoy this and i and i love that you said that because i'm like yeah like like, why do we only like when we're mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm of either being with clients or ourselves, why can't we enjoy the human experience as well? And I think that you do a great job at showing the light and the shadow of just living this human soulful being. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. You're so I, welcome. I, wanna, I do want to move in this direction, but I also just had two little notes on the relationship stuff and oh, yeah. things that really made a difference in my partnership because I do go to ecstatic dance with my partner and he is an actor and a musician. So we do like really weird um, dance practices and vocalization work and Mm -hmm. trauma release stuff together. You know, at, at night we have led lights in our (laughs) front room and we turn them on and we close all the shades, but this house is basically still glowing from the street. I think it's so hilarious because I live in like you know, the middle of Tennessee where everyone is pretty straight lights <laughs> and we like scream and howl and dance and do the release, but we didn't do that at first. And so yeah. that piece that I would give when women are in this space is you have to show him like or, mm-hmm. or her or whoever it is. It's like really being bold enough and courageous enough to ask, Hey, would you like to do this? 20 minute shamanic journey tonight or mm-hmm. would you like to do a 20 minute tantric practice and shaking meditation and um that's not teaching that's inviting and I think a lot of people mm. get hung up around I don't want to teach my partner yeah inviting um and then the other notion that I heard in our conversation was also it's okay to have things for ourselves it's yeah. okay to have spiritual practices that nobody knows about it's okay to have things that we don't, it's one of the things I've been focusing on recently, things that I don't post to Instagram, like Uh holding something's really sacred just for myself. And that feels so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And it's like, you're also giving that permission to other people to say, it's okay. If you don't showcase everything, it doesn't mean you're being inauthentic. It means you're keeping some self, some stuff completely sacred for yourself. And I think that's really special because I don't post everything on Instagram. And if I'm going to post, I'm like, why am I posting it? Why do I want to share this? What am I? Yeah. Like what am I inviting 
other people into, but what am I also initiating myself into mm-hmm. when I step up on this platform? Yeah. And Cute. I totally, and I totally love how you said we're not teaching our partners, we're inviting them, which I think is beautiful. Cause like my husband, as we've been together for, oh gosh, we've been together for like 17 years. And he has just seen me just like, just, you know, grow more and more into myself. And as he's watched me, he'll ask questions and he'll, and he'll be the one to invite me sometimes. He'll be like, Hey, I've been reading about Tantra. Do you want to like do this practice? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Or he'll be like, or he'll say, do you want to meditate together tonight? Or we'll be like in our room, we'll be like, you know, sometimes we want to, we want to smoke a joint together and (laughs) we make it super sacred. And he is very much just wanting to be in that space of that really sacred energy with me, which I appreciate. And I think that for me, that's what's most important in my relationship with him is that beautiful openness, that acceptance that's there. Yeah. That the word sacred energy feels important because everybody wants to be in that, you know, even though people might think it's a little bit weird at first or, it might feel somewhat foreign. That sacred energy is universal. It's not one specific religion or spiritual practice or anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's the space that we create around everything in our life. And oh, I love that that we're yeah. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And you guys have a beautiful relationship, so I just want you to know that. Thank you. I'm so You're so happy. welcome. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I love it. And one of the um, other things that I love about you, and we talked about this a little bit before the call, is the way that you show up and you dance with fear. And mm-hmm. I love. I would love for you to kind of talk about your relationship to fear and what it is that you are here to bring forth to those who show up in your ecosphere, who watch you, like, what are Mm -hmm. you trying to invite them into with fear? Because the way that you do it feels safe. It feels sacred Mm -hmm. and it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been noticing, actually, I've started this challenge with my girlfriend stuff today about fear um, Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And we've had so much, feedback through it and in the process I've been looking and I realized oh my god I lost 50 or 100 followers today or something like that and I was you know that's what for me that's like whatever it's just yeah yeah but I I do look at that kind of stuff because I'm relating to okay how are people connecting around this Mm -hmm. (laughs) how are people receiving this and I feel that culturally in mainstream culture, mm-hmm. fear is difficult. In the spiritual community, I think sp- fear has also become a difficult thing. I've witnessed a lot of people with the coronavirus outbreak, for instance, mm-hmm. being, you know, quote unquote, I'm above fear in this circumstance. And one of the things that I just wrote is if you're rejecting fear, you're still afraid. Mm. That's gold. That's good. Yeah, because there's there's a fear of the fear now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so one thing that I love to do and love to talk about is that it's not fear and love is over 
fear. I've heard that colloquialism a lot, you know, love conquers yeah, yeah. all, for instance. Yeah. Sure, love mm-hmm. conquers all. But then what do, what have we achieved when love conquers all? Well, we're just chasing after love and saying that love is the ultimate truth. I personally don't believe that. And I think that's mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people to hear. But we live in duality. We live in polarizing energy fields. So we're looking at, you know, scalar parts, essentially. We have love on one side of the paradigm. We have fear on the other side of the paradigm. And if we're constantly moving towards, quote unquote, love and light, and constantly Mm -hmm. (laughs) just discounting fear and shadow, then we haven't really gotten anywhere. So for me, and I want to just keep saying for me, because that is important for me, I have learned so much through this practice of unity, of consciousness, of awareness, of this bigger space, which can encompass both fear and love at the same time. It's a sensation of an orgasm, for instance, in which you feel mm-hmm. like ho- almost horribly heartbroken and like madly in love at the same time. And you're like, mm-hmm. how, how, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I can't explain it. Yeah. You know, extremely expanded states in which our field just goes so far out that we can hold everything in within. Yeah. So yeah, that's my experience of fear. And honestly, I'm a very fearful person. I, you know, that's why I talk about this. And I was told growing up by my very, very Spartan father to just, just do it, you know? You're, mm-hmm. you're afraid to stop being a sissy. I'm the oldest of four girls and I was always the most terrified of everything, whatever it was, like jumping off the cliff or the rain or everything. I was afraid of everything. Like my dance practice, I would get terrified before going into dance practice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like six years old, like viscerally remember just shaking, um, terrified of needles, like all of these fears. And my dad would just be like, do it go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a big part of my growth. And I encourage people to do things that are scary, but also there's a way to hold the fear so that it doesn't create trauma. Like Mm -hmm. right now, when I'm talking about the experience of going into dance class as a six-year-old, I remember that I'm there right now because of how it was handled. I was forced, I was pushed, I was thrown into the room, door shut behind, my parents are walking away and I'm standing up, you know, just sobbing, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, um, you know, there's a way to do this work in which it doesn't create trauma. And that's one of the things that has also surfaced for me recently uh, is trauma within the cooking mm-hmm. industry. And yeah, some of these really intense cathartic techniques that are actually creating trauma which is unfortunate, but it's true. And I'm, I appreciate that you use the word safe because safety is yeah. most for me. Yeah. And I, I remember like you've been posting about that, like asking people um, about their like coaching experiences and like how they have felt. And I think that's probably why like um, I've not really ever been quote unquote coached. I've worked with people but sometimes I'm really put off by the coaching industry with mm-hmm. they're just like in the face, like fear tactics about like, you know, anything to do with like telling you how to price yourself and how to do this. And it's like, it's so much in your face where mm-hmm. it honestly 
sometimes can, <clears throat> excuse me, paralyze you from going further. And it creates a whole world of fucked up confusion for yourself. Cause I'm like, well, like what works for you may not work for me. Like we're not yeah. fucking cookie cutter here, man. <laughs> Definitely not. Right. I mean, the way that I coach is so much around that. I actually had to, I think, as, as we're talking about this, it's all really the same conversation in terms of what I've learned in my life, but I've had to work through not having the answers. I've had to mm -hmm. work through and practice being a teacher and being a leader that doesn't have all of the answers. And what we see societally is not that. Yeah. What we see societally are leaders that say, this is how we do it, top-down approach, very masculine-driven, very patriarchal in some senses. Mm -hmm. We're going we're gonna to do it this way. And I've had to uncover a way of leading and teaching in which I step into real service and listen <laughs> and mm -hmm openly and honestly say, I don't have all of the answers. I'm honoring every single person in this space and their autonomy. Um, mm -hmm. And that really relates to, to how I coach and how I hold yeah. in general. Yeah. I love that. Like you say that, um, because that for me has really been a big lesson as well is like that safeness within yourself to have that humility, to just simply say, I don't know, because that can be really hard and scary because then in creeps, you know, the imposter syndrome, that feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not enough. And I know you've kind of talked about that. And mm -hmm. I always tell people too, it's like, just because you see where I am or maybe where Maya is at or people does not mean that we have all of our shit figured out that we are untouchable, that we're not triggered, that we're not dealing and dancing with fear. Mm -hmm. We, we are. And so like when I work with clients, I try to be very transparent mm -hmm. and I will be the first to say, oh my gosh, yeah, like this is what I'm struggling with, but here is kind of where I'm sitting. Here's what I'm working with to try to better like understand what's going on. Right. And I don't ever want people or clients or my listeners to hold me up on a pedestal and think that like, oh, this is where Nicole is. I have to attain this. And it's like, no, this is simply where I'm, where I'm at right now. And, yeah. um, and just that, like saying, you know what? I, I don't know because yeah. that is it's such a simple statement, but it's so hard to say when you are in that position where you're holding the space and working with people, because we, we create the narrative yeah. that we think I have to know everything. Like this is what they're expecting. And it's like, really, we don't know what their expectations are. We're creating the narrative. And so I've really had to dance with that as well. It's like, if something comes up and to be like, you know what, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then for me, I always turn that back on, the individual that I'm speaking to, you know, I'm not really sure that often <laughs> the answers that an individual needs to hear are from my mouth. I think most yeah. often people need to hear their own answers. And so whenever I come up against an, I don't know, moment, moment, that's for me where embodiment comes in. Because when I say those words, when I say that phrase, right, for instance, I don't know. Yeah. And it goes 
up at the end. It's like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And that there's this lifting through my whole being like, I don't know. Oh God. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But there is a way to say, I don't know. And just mm. let it land. Yeah. I felt that when you said that, when, before you even said that, I was like, yeah. Like when you say it that way, it anchors, it drops in. Right. And then it pulls us into an exploration. It's not, yes. like, it's not like up and out in the 5D world. Like yes. everything is going to pieces. Yeah. My whole world is falling apart right now <laughs> in this statement, uh, which is, you know, oftentimes when people are looking to someone to lead them, they having that individual having answers is really helpful psychologically. Yeah. But when the, the leader, when the teacher, when the guide, when the coach, however you want to call it, Mm-hmm. willing to bring things back to the 3d drop it down and say i don't know but i'm going to stay in this space with you i'm committed to not leaving my body disassociating self-abandoning i'm committed to staying here and creating an opening and expansion around let's explore yeah what could that be what mm. would you like to feel in your life how do you want to experience partnership where is your shadow right now? Where is your dream? You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that so much. And I feel like that's where a lot of my work as well has been transforming. Um, since the start of 2020 and I sat with ayahuasca back in February and a lot of the way that I'm showing up for my client work feels like it's shifting where I've always said to my clients, it's like, I don't ever want to approach this as I'm talking to you. I'm talking with you. This is a co-creation, a collaboration of energies and really kind of like giving that person, whoever I'm sitting with, be it I'm having a conversation, they're talking about what's going on in their life too. And it's just my nature to be super um, inquisitive. I love to ask a lot of questions because I feel like it drops me in deeper and really giving that back to whoever I'm sitting with and I'm talking to, or I'm holding space with that dropping you in deeper, dropping you in deeper. Cause I want you to not just be in the experience. I want you to have the experience. I don't want to experience it for you. Right. Yeah. yeah so I love, I love that the way that you say it. I'm like, yeah, like that lands within me. And it just gives me like that little wink of affirmation that like, Yes, Nicole, there are people who do it this way. And so that's such an expansion moment for me. And mm. you're an expander and what you do for me. Mm. <laughs> so I just, I love, I love, love, love that. And so that kind of like leads me into like the way that you show up, like you fully own your truth, like the, the light and the shadow dancing together and the showing up with vulnerability. And so what has been your biggest teacher with showing up with vulnerability? Like, how did you step into that? And how did you get out of, I don't want to say get out of the fear, but how did you kind of make friends with the fear, dance with the fear to show up? Because being vulnerable can be really hard. Yeah. My most refined answer I'll give, and then I'll break it down. But I had to fall in love with my artistry. I had to fall in love with myself and mm-hmm. when I cultivated a perspective over my own life of almost like I'm in partnership 
with myself, which for mm-hmm. me looks like being able to objectively see what's going on. So that's a, that's perspective work mm-hmm. and being able to talk to myself like my own coach, being able to treat myself like I would if I was my partner or a lover. Um, there are so many different archetypes that I've worked on partnering with and bringing into my experience. But when I was able to see the beauty of the vulnerability objectively, mm-hmm. because, when, because when it first started, it was quite jarring and, and scary. But mm-hmm. as I've come to see the beauty of my own vulnerability, it's become so easy to just share it and be like, oh, you cute little inner child showing up here. <laughs> That's adorable. And yeah. oh, the, the lover in you who wants to be loved, I see that. I feel that I'm magnetized towards that as an artistic process or as a soul creation. <laughs> That's mm. where the magic has really lived. But when I first began, I mean, I was in that space of, palms sweating every blog post pressing publish and oh my god I'm crying on my Instagram story how will people respond okay send share yeah (laughs) and having that visceral experience um is a part of it and I just did it anyways I don't know yeah I don't know else to say it yeah (laughs) no I I know what you're saying and like the way that you do it and the way that you show up as I really love because you are all about bringing the body into the equation of all of that, like either manifestation, transmuting energy. And one of the ways that I love that you do it, and we'll talk about the two of them because I kind of want you to mm-hmm. talk about them is you show up and maybe there are times when you're like this, oh gosh, maybe this feels weird, but like, through your dancing, be it like I'm showing my sensual goddessy side or like one time you were, I laughed when you were like, you stuck your tongue out and you're like, I feel like goddess Kali right now. Like, oh, like coming mm-hmm. out and just like through the masculine way, like getting like dancing in ways that don't feel good to you, letting that discomfort move through your body. And so that's one way that you show up and you show your audience, the people that interact with you, like this is one way to move the body somatically mm-hmm. um, with the energy is through dance expression of energy. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that came up for me in hearing that, and one of the things that I, well, two thing, two notes here. The first thing that I focus on when I move or when I create is being in the unknown, which is where mm-hmm. fear, which is where fear lives. Basically we can mm-hmm. of course train ourselves out of having a fear response to the unknown. But I specifically remember when I made that video lying on my floor, I think it was after a photo shoot and I had a, was it the ball of yarn? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had this ball of yarn and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing right now, but it feels good mm-hmm. and it feels vulnerable. It feels raw. It feels like a side of myself that I've never allowed the world to see. So let's play with that. I pressed post before I even knew what I was going to do with that. So being in the unknown is really helpful for any artistic process and wanting to create something new that the world hasn't seen before, because as you know, I work with entrepreneurs and that's Mm -hmm. desirable in the entrepreneurial landscape. And 
I then know how to create resolution for myself. I've trained Mm -hmm. myself to create resolution. So being in that space of vulnerability, sharing, crying, showing a side of myself that feels unusual. Yeah. Then I know how to come back in at the end and show up. I've practiced this enough times Mm -hmm. that show up in my truth and share a teaching, share a point, share something that feels like I'm back. I'm here. I was crying and screaming and doing all these other things, but now I'm present. And now I'm going to show you that I can hold space for myself like this and be Mm -hmm. okay. And then I can hold space for you in your own process. And that's, Mm. that it's all okay here. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And you do, you really do like, you are like, what is the embodiment? Like after you allow it to process and integrate and move through your body, then you move into the embodiment piece. And I love that before you step into the embodiment piece, you also let like viewers like myself, people who are following you, the glimpse of the process, because Mm -hmm you know, that's a lot of the things that we don't see behind the scenes. It's like, we see the end product, like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is where I was here is where I am now. But the in-between doesn't look pretty all the time. It can be messy. It's 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 ugly, right? It's, it can be really ugly. I mean, ugly is, you know, dependent on our own viewpoints and what we're attracted to, but it's, I mean, in general, I would say it's pretty ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I love that you do that because when I see that it invites me and deeper to be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm feeling that I feel this energy. I don't know quite what it is yet, but like what I have done, like when I'm like, I can't pinpoint what this energy is. So I need to do something to kind of more further activate it. So it can kind of move through me and tell me what's going on. Like I have held a plank, put on loud music and just scream my fucking head off. And then when I'm done, I'm sobbing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been holding a lot of repressed energy in my solar plexus. What is going on here? And then it tells the story and you've done that, like where you have grabbed a pillow, punched and screamed it, cried into it and stood up like, you know, in your tank top and your underwear, just like jumping, moving the energy. And it's like, I think that's so important to show people that, sometimes just talking about our emotions isn't going to move it to the point where we can understand it on a deeper level and let it tell its story. Sometimes it takes us, the physical being, jumping into the process with it and saying, okay, how do you want to fucking move right now? Mm -hmm. All right, let's do it. And put on music and you don't have to know where you're going, just start. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the body has an intelligence of its own our muscles have neurons. Mm-hmm. We're just beginning to tap into what that really means in the scientific world. So we can activate our neurology. We can create new neural pathways through things like neurosculpting or hypnotherapy and what have you. But mm-hmm. it it can only go to one. It can only go to a certain depth. And my teacher Amber says everything comes out in the dance not just what's going on in your mind, but things that you didn't even know were there. Um, that's, that's why movement is so important to me. It's not just about the catharsis. It's really about an exploration that is so much deeper than 
anything that we can understand with our mind and and it's hard (laughs) to explain uh, when we're saying that there's a different language altogether but people who have experienced this kind of movement will every client of mine that I've done this work with has said this is the deepest work that I've ever done in my life and these are women who have been coaching for years who are coaches who've done tons of talk therapy Mm -hmm. and or even a lot of energy work but it's different yeah yeah I love that and that's something because I'm I'm a fitness instructor as well and so I teach dance fitness I teach sculpting and but like dancing to me is such um an energetic release and embodiment of whatever energy I'm wanting to pull in and I love it. And so I bring it a lot into the practice when I'm working with other people and just really trying to invite them into that exploration, especially just like moving the body with music because so many people out there are like, I can't dance. I can't do this. I don't have rhythm. And I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, yeah, it's not about that. (laughs) Yeah. Like what music moves you? What do you want to move to right now? Okay. Turn it on and just start moving. Nobody cares as much as you think that they care. Yeah. And those are those parts and pieces of ourselves that we are rejecting through the dance are the pieces that deserve the most attention. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I often invite people to be in the really, really, really uncomfortable sensations. And I do work with women that have a lot of capacity to hold those parts of themselves with a lot mm-hmm. of love and respect. I, I think it is a muscle, but I believe that any do it, um, treat it. You know, the easiest perspective is to just dance like you were a child and to really see yourself, like even in the mirror, just to move and watch yourself moving and find the movements that you're like, I could not possibly do that. And yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a beautiful edge for growth. (laughs) I often, I am often thinking about what kind of dancing would I feel really uncomfortable Mm. with someone seeing me? Yeah. And then I move that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, (laughs) and I think like I talked to you about that like a couple weeks ago, cause you were posting about, um, moving and really uncomfortable, like jarring, like movements that didn't make sense. And I was like, okay, like this is a good practice for me because Um, I, cause I choreograph a lot. So I do a lot of dance choreography. And so that comes so fluid to me to do that. And I was like, Ooh, the thought of dancing really chaotic and really like quote unquote ugly moves that feels uncomfortable in my body. So I'm like, okay, like that's good for me to explore. So I've been exploring that. Mm -hmm. And when I first showed up to it, I was like, Ugh. And now when I'm doing it, I, I can like laugh at myself now and I can be like, this, this is fun. This is play. Yeah, it is play. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I sometimes will play with being super off balance or I'll give myself little tasks through the dance. Like the other night I pulled the shark card and mm-hmm. was reading that sharks only move forward. And so I was like, what would it be like to, to play and only move forward in my dance <laughs> for like five songs that excited dance I just moved forward and I had to keep moving I couldn't stop because the shark always keeps moving if it stops moving it will sink I had no idea uh, yeah so I, I kept moving and I would do slow movements and fast movements but it was really interesting then to play with the opposite of that which was stillness 
at the end of dance and I was so grateful for the stillness. Yeah. All the movement. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I just, I, I love the way that you just playfully and with curiosity dance with the duality of just like everything. It's like you are in it. It's like you're a kid in the sandbox and you're just like, like, let's just play. Like, let's see what we can make. Like, I don't know, but like, let's just play. And so I love that because you do that with dancing. And then another piece that I love that you do, because I'm so into this as well, is the expression Mm -hmm. of the way we dress and adorn our body. And that's something I know that you are very um, big into sharing that show up like how do I want to express myself today what what energy do I feel like I'm embodying and I'm going to express it or maybe the opposite of like what am I rejecting because now I'm going to express it outwardly to embody more of that energy yeah I've learned so much about all of this recently because I just uh, six or months ago or so, I yeah. worked with a stylist myself. I've always done this for my clients, for shoots, visual direction. Um, I've always styled my my siblings and my friends and things like that. Um, and it was a journey for me, honestly, to invest in a stylist because I'm. I before I was pretty stylish. I was. Mm-hmm. I told people that I was working with a stylist, and they were like, "Why?" And I was like, I feel that there's more here and I can have more if I, if I want more and if I want to learn. Um, and I feel like instead of just trying things on or being sensational with my wardrobe or wearing things that were super eye catching, I've figured out a way to dress that feels honoring of my values. That's number one. I don't Mm -hmm. wear plastic clothes. I don't wear things that are mass made for the most part. Yeah. So that was a big piece for me. And I realized, all right, I got to get rid of all these plastic clothes. Mm -hmm. I have to refine my wardrobe and the way that I feel when I put things on. So there were just some values. That was the first piece of how do I dress myself? And then the second piece is what do I want to communicate? with the world through my values with clothing. And I have to say there was a part of doing a little bit of work around up-leveling my my clothing because Mm -hmm. I often wear yoga pants everywhere and I have really great yoga apparel and I wear kimonos (laughs) and, and all of this, but I'm a business coach at the end of the day. And what does it look like to to hold some of the structure and also mm-hmm. express that in my wardrobe. It, I mean, these things make a big difference. Right. So I started to play with what felt good and kept track of the outfits that I was wearing and how they made me feel and how I felt about them. It has just a whole journey and I, I've been enjoying it and we'll yeah. continue to do work like this because I'm a designer by trade. That was my first, yeah. my first job. Yeah. I, I love when you share your outfits because, um, I'm very big on, um, soul expression. Like how do like, how do you want to adorn yourself today, Nicole? And like by, by nature, I really gravitate towards very bohemian goddessy looks, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there are times where I'm like, you know what? I want to wear these cute ripped up jeans, a white tee and a baseball cap and yeah. like no makeup. And like, 
that's how I want to be today. And like right now, as I'm sitting here, I'm in workout pants and like a little fitted hoodie and a messy bun, no makeup. And I feel just as beautiful like this as I do when I'm adorned with all my fun bohemian jewelry and my crystals and fun earrings. And for me, it's so fun to energy play and go into my closet and just say, how do you want to express yourself today, Nicole? Like, what is the expression that you feel most aligned to, mm-hmm. like you said, communicate, to yeah. communicate outward and, and to bring joy yes. to other people, to, to create art, you know? Yes. Yes. I think yeah. too, there's a whole story in the, I just call it spiritual community. We could also call it wellness community. If that resonates more for the audience here. Um, around materialism and clothing and not focusing on that kind of stuff. And I, I had to work through a little bit of that in my own body as I've focused more on clothes in the last two mm-hmm. years than, than I have before. But I realized that it's my opportunity to be more conscious and aware of one element of my life. And that's my, my intent to expand consciousness, to have more awareness about every little thing that I do. It's a very Japanese concept, but you know mm-hmm. how, how I'm picking up my water glass. Am I giving my water glass love right now and charging it with love? Am I going into my closet and mindfully considering what I want to put on my body? How am I cutting the cucumber on the board? Mm. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, things make a difference and they do change the atomic structure of the objects that we touch, the water that we drink, et cetera. Yeah. I think people discount that a little bit. And I, I just mm-hmm. want to see more people in full expression. I, I love when I'm walking around New York City and just feel someone through their clothes. I'm walking down the street, you know, that girl's wearing a pink duster and like purple yeah. tennis shoes and like a poodle bag or something. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. And, and I love that you were saying like about the way that like you just do everything with such consciousness, well, like that really deep rooted intentionality, mm-hmm. which just goes back to like that presence of like being with whatever you're doing. Like I'm yes. full on believing like the way you say, like the way you hold your water, charging it with love, the way like you're holding your fruit or your cucumber as you're cutting it. And Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with my brother over the weekend. And I was just talking about like when I sit with my food or my water, my coffee, my cacao, whatever it is, and it could be a piece of clothing, like whatever I'm touching, just always trying to be present with it and just sending it like love, gratitude, and thanks. Like I did that before our call, I was drinking some um, herbal tea And I was just holding it and just like kind of blowing my intention into it. And it was just simply like gratitude and just infusing my energy with it. Because I know as I communicate with this herbal tea, the plant, it has a consciousness of its own. And so when it gets introduced into my body, it's communicating Mm. with me as well. And so I love that because what I just hear for the whole theme of your life is just like sacredness. It's true. I and and it's hard at first to mm-hmm. practice, you know. It really is a practice. Um, but I've lived so much of my life in a state of rushing 
and panic and, and fear and avoidance that in this time in my life, especially as I just entered my Saturn return, uh, I'm mm-hmm. focusing on the <laughs> sacredness of everything around me and creating my reality. I feel so blessed to have the resources to do this. And I attempt to give as much as I can away. Yeah. I just feel so grateful. Yeah, you really do. And so I want to encourage everybody who is listening. If you don't already follow um, Maya on her Instagram platform, please do. I'll include it in the show notes because she does so freely give away tips, tools, techniques, or simply just through her embodiment practice, it like activates something within you. And if you're looking for an expander of dancing with fear, getting comfortable with the shadow, and that's something that I really talk about a lot is like quit trying to, you know, punish your shadow. Like it's Mm -hmm. like a bad child because it's something that is part of us. And so people really would learn and just like benefit just from observing and watching you. And so definitely want to encourage people to just be in your ecosphere, just to be around (laughs) that energy because it is so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that I happened to stumble across your profile like two years ago and instantly Mm -hmm. drawn in. And I do, I love the work that you're doing. I think that it's so beautiful. It's so important and it's so needed because you have such a different way of looking at things, be it fear, be it like things that are going on in the world. And I'm always like, yes, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Like when you're saying it, and I just so resonate with it. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for you. And I want you to know that. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for you and that the universe connected us and it's divine grace. And, um, and just thinking about things that I give away, um, I'm have a free course called the embodiment experience and it is geared towards embodiment-based business technology for entrepreneurs however there are practices within the embodiment experience that can be done by anyone in terms of working through your story working through your shadow um there are embodiment practices in there that anyone can do that are not related specifically to business And I'd love to invite anyone who's listening that wants to learn more to just go um, sign up for this. I can give you the link, Nicole, and we can put it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I was going to say that, like, make sure I get that. So everything that she's talking about, I will include that in the show notes so you guys can find that. And if people want to connect or work with you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, it's uh, through my website or through Instagram. I mean, honestly, I pretty much exclusively communicate with people on Instagram these days because with all of my clients, we're communicating through Slack. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, and email for me is, is not the best. So let's jam on Instagram. That'd probably be the best. And my website is soul.work. Very simple. Beautiful. Awesome. And I will include that in the show notes. And before we jump off of here, I always ask my guests this question and it is no right or wrong answer. It's just what you feel, but what does being soulfully awakened mean to you and your body? Hmm. Hmm. I got 
the instant visual of angel wings. Mm. Beautiful. Uh, I, you know, for me, that awakening is the experience of consciousness. It feels so vast. It feels like a prism of a bunch of different colors. And it also feels like practice and sadhana mm-hmm. and deep devotion and ritual that brings us more and more and more to the heart of who we are. It's like digging or unearthing or being on the spiral journey. And that's the only direction that we're really navigating in life. We think we're moving forward, right? With our Mm -hmm. soul. We think we're moving forward on our soul fully awakened path, but it's really just moving deeper and deeper, deeper into our dharma, our calling, our secret mission on this planet. And that's what it means to me. Mm. I, yes, (laughs) you're welcome. I love that. I love that. And when you were saying that, I was getting this like visual of just coming home, like you said, unearthing layers and getting back deeper and deeper into self and just like that descension of going Mm. like inward and like quit like leaving the physical body behind. It's like so important. There's so much richness in there. And so when you were saying that I was getting this like beautiful, deep anchored visual and this like somatic feeling in my body because I was closing my eyes as you were saying Mm -hmm. it. So it was juicy. I loved it. It's on a little movement journey. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Maya, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. You are beautiful. You're magical and you're so welcome. Oh, yes. I'm so grateful you're here. Yeah, you're welcome. And everybody, please go follow Maya if it feels aligning and it resonates. I promise you won't regret it. And I just want to thank all of my listeners for joining today. I hope that you feel inspired. We activated something within you and that you learned something new. So thank you again for joining me. And until next time, you guys, I will talk to you soon. 